2: Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, I think as the voice of this show, it's important for me as a host to set the tone right off the bat with just how excited I am about certain guests that come and visit the batter's box. Uh, We all know what a thrill it is when I get to welcome some performers on the podcast that I consider personal favorites. Uh, We've had that a handful of times on this show, but what I think makes tonight's guest so special is not only how talented she is, uh, but the stories behind actually going to see her perform on Broadway and I'll go as far as to say she's one of my favorite players. I think uh, what makes her so awesome is that she starred in a number of blockbuster franchises here over the last decade and a half or so. You know, The Light in the Piazza. Uh, Miss Saigon and of course Wicked in which she now holds the title of being the longest tenured Glinda since opening on Broadway for the baseball crowd uh, in a lot of ways she's a lot like a Johnny Damon who spent a significant time in a leading role for some of the game's most memorable franchises and uh, I have to say at least as much as any other performer that I've seen in multiple blockbusters like the ones I've just mentioned uh, she really brings a part of herself to it like I Like like few people can. And uh, for those from the baseball demo in our audience, I think 40 plus episodes into this show, you know, I've always been a fan of players who give it their all, play the game the right way and really care about giving the fans a good show and make their own unique mark on the sport because of that. So I'm super excited to welcome someone who I certainly consider an all-star. With that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee now batting, Katie Rose Clark. Katie, welcome to Break a Bat.
3: Hi, thank you so much for that intro and for having me. That is just amazing. <laughs> I feel so flattered.
2: Well, you know what? I figure you're in Texas right now. Everything's bigger in Texas. And then more so than any other podcast on the BPN, we have like the biggest intros. I think it's kind of our forte, but we save the extra special ones for some of our favorites.
3: Oh, well, I appreciate it so much. Well,
2: oh, we appreciate you coming on.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
2: It's a, it's so great to have you here. And this is one I've always wanted to do. Obviously, I wish things were normal and we you know, could be in the studio. But I'm so glad you were down to join us tonight. And uh, I, I hope that some of the baseball parallels didn't go too far over your head.
3: <laughs> well, I, I don't know who that player is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you haven't
2: seen Fever Pitch then.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm going to be hopeless when it comes to the baseball stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll make it through a one piece. How are things in uh, Houston, Texas?
3: Uh so far so good. You know, my husband and my daughter and I and our dog drove down um sort of early, well, very early on. And we got here in March. Um and we've been quarantined here ever since. Um, so we're just feeling really lucky that we we have a little extra space for our daughter who's now two. And um, so it's just been a really, it's been a really good time for our little family which is in the, in which is a crazy thing to say uh, the way the world is now um, at the moment with a lot of suffering and so but we we personally our family feels really blessed to have a little bit of space right now and to and to feel safe out here so that's where we are it's been good
2: is it just the four of you
3: yeah my my husband and my daughter and our dog and me <laughs>
2: <laughs> everyone's getting along
3: oh yeah yeah we're great you know it's it's great we we have a family home in Galveston and so that's where we've been living in in this family house that is otherwise un unused so um so we have our own house little house which has been great
2: that's great you know we started on a path here where you know everyone's being nice to each other I'm staying at my family's for most of the summer back in the suburbs oh yeah And in the beginning of things, you know, everything was so scary and chaotic. I figure I would try to ease the tension, whatever way I can, you know, so I would, you know, make little efforts like, you know, before I ask for the ketchup at dinner, let me stop and think about what's the nicest way you can ask for ketchup? Like, (laughs) hey... if no one's using the ketchup, I would love a little more ketchup. And now like four months into this thing, it's just back to like, give me that. I want the ketchup. Get right. past it over. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> you know, we, thankfully we have um, family nearby. So we, you know, after we, we did the quarantine and, and, and the of time that we have seen our, our parents and things, and that's been a really sweet thing. But like I said, having our own little house for our, our little family has been a huge blessing, um, just to feel like we have our own space. So
2: now I know you've been in NYC for a while, but do you think you're still a Texas girl at heart?
3: Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a funny thing. I've, I've been in New York for it's 15 years this year, actually, which is crazy to say. So I moved there in 2005. And so all of my adult life. I feel like I've been a New Yorker. I mean, I was on the road on tour for about three years. So other than that, though, I've been in New York City, and I just really feel at home there. But you never, you know, my roots are, are Texas, you know, I can't get away from it. So when <laughs> I love it, I still love coming down here. And um, so, yeah, I guess the answer is that, yeah, my roots are in Texas, but I really grew in New York. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and you came here so early. And it's like, well, yeah. you were you were like a college senior when you first got here, right? And making your bit debut on Broadway at the same time.
3: Yeah, that's right. I was I was graduating. I, I moved up in New York to replace Kelly O'Hara in Lightning Piazza in November. And I was supposed to graduate mid-year in December. So I had to take my finals online as I was rehearsing piazza and so it was all real crazy and, and and then I you know I had been to New York like twice on family trips you know ever in my life so I had knew nothing I was so I was as green as it gets and so I moved straight away up to New York was rehearsing studying for finals taking things online and um uh, and so it was just pretty nutty. And then, and then after all that, once the show was open, I had to go and learn the subway system, which <laughs> was a whole nother journey. Which, you know, back then we didn't have smartphones. So it was truly just writing out lot subway lines and getting off at the wrong stop. And, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time of life. But also, just like any huge life change like that, it was just, um, super magical and a lot of growth. So it was cool.
2: What's the scariest, uh, subway station that you accidentally got off at?
3: Oh my gosh. I, I don't even remember. I used to get lost all the time. I was lost in New York city for all of 2006. (laughs) I (laughs) I didn't know where I was most of the time. Um, I just think I I, I ended up walking everywhere because I just, it was a great way to learn. And um, especially once the weather started warming up, I just really, I I was really just, I would get off at the wrong spot and, and just walk from wherever I was. And, you know, I don't know that I ever really got off at a place where I felt unsafe, which is kind of crazy to say. I don't know that if that was just me being sort of naive or just trying to pretend like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> but I didn't look like a, you know, a tourist or like I, you know, I, I, I was just trying to act the part, you know, act like I knew what, where I was. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was, uh, I was a real walker. So that's how I learned the city.
2: It's like the thing I miss the most right now. It's just like, you know, being able to go out and about. It's like you feel guilty. You shouldn't leave the house if you don't have to and whatnot. But it's like, that's the nicest thing about Manhattan. You know, I know in this, and especially in the summer right now, it's so empty. You know, a lot of people retreat the city. Like this is what, you know, one of the best chances that you have to enjoy. This is like one of my favorite times of year to go typically yeah. see a Broadway show, you know?
3: Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's the beauty too of when you're not in a show is going and seeing the shows and having the time to do that. And, um, yeah, I agree. I I love summertime in the city, especially it feels just everybody's out, you know, and all the, all the, the restaurants have their tables out. It is, it's a magical time in the city right now.
2: So like growing up where you did in Texas is like, how does Broadway become, or, you know, musical theater become such an interest to you? Because, you know, you and I are around the same age, but, you know, back when we were growing up, you didn't have all these touring productions coming to like the big venues and stuff. How'd you get into it, you know, growing up where you did?
3: Oh my gosh. Well, it, I had a, um, well, my dad was a musician and, um, uh and wanted to be a musician and ended up deciding to later in life. Actually, he went to medical school and became a doctor. So I I grew up with music and, you know, all of that side of of my family growing up was musically inclined. So I always had an interest in music and, you know, we would, when we were on a car trip, we would all sing four part harmonies. Like it was just normal, you know, and uh, my brothers and my, you know, my brother, my sister and I, and, and we would just be, you know, um, we were just really musical family. We all played an instrument, you know, I attempted, we all played instruments. And, um, so that sort of shifted to, um, just having a real interest in singing. And my very first voice teacher, Lainey Carlin was, uh, the woman who introduced me to musical theater rep and she and her husband ran the community theater in my hometown. So, I, um, they invited us, my sister and I to, to audition for the shows. And really that was in high school, really when I started to learn about it and fall in love with it.
2: And didn't your voice teacher in high school link you up with Kim Briggsby?
3: That's exactly right. Wow. Ow. Yes. Yeah. They went to college together, our friends from college and, um, Kim Grigsby and Laney, my, my high school voice teacher. And so again, like I said, Laney and I just kept in touch and, um, we're always close and still are to this day. So in college, Laney gets a call from Kim asking, you know, I had met Kim one time prior. Um, and, uh, so Lainey gets a call from Kim saying this is crazy but the girl that I met is she where is she is she still interested in doing musical theater and um of course Lainey you know excited freak out yes of course she is she's about to graduate school she's in Huntsville Texas you know trying to finish her degree and um she's you know I was like she, and it was basically Kim asking, well, can she be on a flight to New York this weekend to audition to replace Kelly? And so sure enough, it was just that nutty. And um, so Lainey calls me. I I talked to my mom and uh, my parents. And my mom is able to, uh, to you, you, this is a crazy part of the story, but my my mom used inheritance money that she had just received from her mother passing away um the prior year. So she we were able to go to New York and, and stay so that I could take this opportunity to audition for the show, which was nuts. Amazing.
2: It was a good investment. She really believed in you and obviously look at look at what happened.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank God. I, I can't I mean what a crazy thing. And now as a mom, I'm like, of course I would move heaven and earth to like make open doors uh, for my daughter as well. And no matter how scary they might be to me. And and I'm sure moving their youngest daughter to New York City (laughs) was a scary prospect. Um, But, you know, there was no guarantee that I was going to get the role at all. It was truly just come and audition. I mean, Kim even had me over to her apartment to sing the material to make sure that I could even do it before she sent me to the audition. I mean, I had to, I definitely had to prove that I could do it, which I mean, I is, is wild. It's wild looking back on it, that they took a chance on me.
2: Now, listen, I know you don't know a ton of baseball, but I like to think like Kelly O'Hara is kind of like the Joe DiMaggio and you're like the Mickey oh, yeah. Mantle making your debut, <laughs> replacing a, like, you know, someone who's really established. And you're Dude, yeah. 21 to have your Broadway debut come that way, you know, to replace a Tony nominee. It's like, how much, did you put a lot of pressure on yourself? Or are you like super carefree that you just trusted your confidence enough that you could do it? Or like, did that take a lot of time?
3: Oh my goodness. I think naivety was just my saving grace at that point. You know, I, of course knew Kelly and, um, and Vicky and the whole, I mean, I, and, and, um, so it was, it was absolutely daunting and I'm a pretty shy person anyway. And so it was hugely daunting. Um, but I'll I'll never forget when I trailed Kelly, as I was learning the show, (coughs) excuse me. Um, when I trailed Kelly, Learning, learning the track. She was just so amazing and gracious that it just made me feel right at home. In fact, like I, I kept bumping into her and <laughs> like, like the ding dong that I was, the twenty one year old ding dong that still had this thick Texan accent. And she would just laugh and just hug me and just it was just great. I mean, she just really was so gracious to me during that time. And so that really is, I think, what got me one of the things that got me through, but definitely, and not, not knowing anything was the other thing I, if I, it just didn't occur to me that I could be fired. You know, (laughs) I think if I knew I could be fired, then I would have been way more fearful. So.
2: It's funny. You say you're shy, but I feel like over the years you've really come into your own. Do you agree?
3: (laughs) I do. I think so. You know, it is, it actually has been something I've had to um, work out a little bit cause I am a little bit closed off, I think. Um, but I, uh, I love people and I, I love letting people in and, um, it just takes me a minute to be brave enough to do it. And honestly, I think the older I get and, um, my husband has encouraged that in me a lot and helped me sort of recognize that I struggle with that, which has been a sweet thing for, for him to do for me. And, um, And then I think you know, just feeling more confident as a woman, becoming a mother, and um, just feeling just more confident in who I am, has really just uh, been something that I think just time has helped with.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I've only seen you. I've seen you perform on stage, and that would never come across to me, at least in recent years, from the things that I've seen you in. Are you still, you know? is it still a struggle even in social settings, you know, to kind of overcome, you know, a, a shyness that, I mean, I'd imagine, is that, is that something that like, even as a kid that, you know, you feel like you've struggled with, if that's the right term?
3: Um, yeah, I think I did uh, in different settings, um, always feel really, you know, bashful. And um, I think that it just kind of, maybe more like an adolescence and once I got through in, in into college and I think uh, um yeah I don't I, I don't know if I have a great answer for that other than um just that I once I started recognizing it in myself I knew that I needed to sort of push myself a little more in that area um, and just be a little bit more open and engaging with people and um and I, I never want to off, be off-putting or make people feel un- uncomfortable. And I think that at times, because I am shy, that I, I have done that unintentionally. And so I think it was just a balance of recognizing that and feeling confident enough to to um, make a change. But yeah, I, I did struggle a little bit with that, especially uh, when I first moved to New York. I I think I just felt... Such like a fish out of water that was really when some of those things started to creep into my personality some of the shyness
1: it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin so go to luckylandslots.com to play over a hundred social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes get lucky today Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.
2: And and thank God you came up when you did, because I can imagine, like, you know— Especially nowadays, if you're trying to break in with the way social media is, and listen, the Broadway fans are great, but we've seen that quite often through social media, they be, you know, some people will try to make themselves like a part of your life and want to know every little thing about you. Um, I can imagine that, you know, you were fortunate that. You got to break in when you did because you didn't have to deal with all of that extra stuff that's going on now, which I can only imagine, you know, for some of these kids coming up is probably uh, extremely difficult.
3: I agree. It's such a difficult balance how to manage um, your social media presence. And I certainly, again, in my innate shyness, I, I tend to not overshare or engage too much in social media. Um, so, uh, and you know, when I, when I did replace Kelly in 2005, that was the same year that YouTube came out and like, so some of those things were only, were only starting, you know, like YouTube videos and bootlegs and things like that. And I just, um, I, I think because of that, I, it made me really wary of joining face. I never got on Facebook. I, I was just very, um. Cautious, and I think I always that for sure has always been part of my personality. I'm just a pretty cautious uh, person, and so uh, in in that way, I didn't join social media until, gosh, really late. I don't know. Um, after I was married, I mean, I it was 2013 when I joined social media, and it was just Twitter and Instagram, which I'm not even on Twitter anymore. So. Uh, all that to say, I think it's it's difficult, and I I do um, I feel for uh, the people coming in to you know the Broadway community and 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 being at all in the in the public eye in the age of social media. I think it's really a challenge to 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 navigate that well and be discerning about what content you put up and and even just balancing how you receive uh, comments and things on social media and recognizing what's emotional and reactionary and what's the truth of, of a situation, which can be really hard.
2: You know, listen, I know you're in Houston, Texas right now, and I know that you're typically not the biggest baseball fan, but I'm sure you heard a little bit about, you know, the whole Astros uh, cheating scandal that went on this off season. Now, listen, I feel for the fans. It wasn't the fans that did this. It was the players, but I feel like so much of the, the fuel on the fire, uh, that, you know, came about was because of social media and the fans and whatnot. And, you know, that aggression, you know, stemmed onto the field. Have you ever, you know, uh, encountered folks, you know, on social media that, you know, consider themselves Broadway fans that are like as aggressive as the baseball fans, let's say?
3: <laughs> I don't think so. I I, I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine that to be true. I think Broadway fans are generally just, they just love musical theater like me. Um, But, you know, it's different with sports, isn't it? People are really emotional.
2: Well, the ticket prices are about the same. So that's why I was always curious.
3: <laughs> oh, gosh, that. I know. Well, and that's the thing when the Astros were playing playing the Yankees, which just you can fix all this, right? I don't know what I'm talking about, but go that- ahead,
2: run wild with it, Katie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what the World Series? Before that, that same time frame, right? Right before that, when they were playing the Yankees in uh, Yankee Stadium, uh, my husband was dying to go. It was like impossible to go. I think he ended up getting a ticket though. Actually. Are we talking
2: about 2017 or 2019?
3: 2017.
2: Okay. The first time they face each other. All right.
3: Is that what? Is that the year that they won? Yeah, 2017?
2: that's the year the Astros won. in. Okay. Tw- well, that's the year they won the World Series. They beat oh, okay. us again in 2019 with or without the use of buzzers and cameras, but go on.
3: Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, are we getting into a sports uh, deba- debate? Is this Not a- at all.
2: Just some stories. <laughs> Tell us. Tell us.
3: It would be exciting for me because I don't know anything. <laughs> um, yeah no so but yeah the ticket prices that was all the only point i was trying to make was trying to get into that game for my husband he was just desperate to go and 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 he was keeping an eye on ticket prices um of course then you know he was cheering on the astros which yeah <laughs>
2: that's why i said yeah. i feel for the fans you know because the fans are passionate they don't necessarily knows know what goes on behind the scenes like for me as a kid when i came up loving baseball you know i'm i'm sure you remember too you know you had all like these guys using steroids and whatnot it's all such a spectacle that you just get wrapped up with you know the actual game you don't realize you know sometimes you lose sight of what's going on behind the scenes and
3: yeah
2: baseball and broadway are so emotional in that way you know
3: yeah do you think that broadway fans get as emotionally attached as, as baseball fans and sports fans
2: it's interesting because, you know, some once in a while, you know, I'll see some of the comments that people will post up on like Instagram on, you know, folks that I've become friends with in the Broadway community. It's like, A, do you really expect them to answer that question? B, why, you know, I think that you're taking it you're going too far off the stage here with that question i think that sometimes you know uh you have to create some boundaries i'm sure as you've probably had to before too even though you know you've always used social media the right way but i don't know i feel like sometimes they get pretty riled up pretty riled up have you seen like broadway con or these like broadway flea markets it's like a madhouse sometimes
3: Yeah, that all feels so like within recent years too, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know if that would have been, that wasn't really around again, back when I was entering into the Broadway community. So it is a recent thing.
2: You came up at the right time, but like, let me ask you, you know, being someone who, let me ask you, do you call yourself an introvert? Like naturally?
3: (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I think my, I think my husband would call me an introvert.
2: It doesn't show on stage because, like, I feel what's cool about watching you perform is I feel like there's like an openness where you still give off like a side of yourself that isn't always necessarily or wasn't always necessarily there before with like the established characters. Yeah, I'm just going to give you an example. I saw you in Wicked. Like, I've seen that show four times now and maybe the hardest I've ever laughed like in that like beginning part of for good before it, like becomes like really emotional. It's like, uh, you say something like, and I've had so many friends. Like, I was like, that, that's like, that's Katie Rose Clark. She's putting her own like personal touch on that line to like set the tone for this awesome scene. Does like the audience pump you up. Like even though you're an introvert. Oh gosh. Yeah.
3: There's such like a, awesome give and take with the audience that's like the magic of live theater that's what I I get addicted to that's the thing I miss most since you know Broadway closing is going and being a part of that magical exchange because it totally I think I I may, may maybe there is a portion of the audience that gets that that understands that but it I think that that for the most part, it's not something that they think that the, an average audience member would think about when they go to the show, how much that fuels and feeds the cast and the crew. I mean, and, and the musicians, it's just, that's the magic of life theater is hearing that re- reaction and that give and take.
2: I love that too. It, it's so true. It, it, it's interesting because, you know... You've done like quite a few different types of roles on Broadway at this point. And I've always been curious, you know, for someone who was a Glinda, you know, for someone who was an Ellen and like Miss Saigon, like what's like, what's your favorite show that you've done?
3: I, you know, I loved Miss Saigon growing up. It was one of the musicals that made me fall in love with musical theater and Leia Salonga's voice uh, on in everything she has ever seen. Sung or said I, mean, <laughs> I was such a major fan of hers, so being a part of telling that story was really particularly exciting and important to me. Um, and but i I love them all, and I know this is going to feel like a cop out answer, but I love every role that I've gotten to play for different reasons. Glinda um, is one that is such a huge part of my life now and and I had such a rare opportunity of playing that role really consecutively for a long span of time and so I really cut my teeth on that role it was really like the majority of my 20s I was playing Glinda on tour or on Broadway and it was it was you know that is a huge thing to say and what a gift and um, rare experience for a performer to get to have that because it is a different skill set to be in a long-running uh, show like that in a heavy role like that and for me it was a vocally challenging and physically challenging role Um, so it was a really great opportunity for me to learn and um just hone that skill set so um yeah and I could go on and on about each role for different reasons why I love them so much Um, but you get they become a part of your own story as a human being I mean Katie is made up of all of these experiences with all of these different characters
0: Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
2: 18+. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. you've been able to take on different types of characters the way you have, because there's a lot of people that get pigeonholed early in this business. And what's amazing is, you know, you've done this for what, a decade and a half now, and already your resume spans so many different things. I would just, I would feel extra confident going into a casting room. How do you feel?
3: (laughs) That is so nice. I, I don't know. I try not to view myself in those terms, but I certainly have, uh, feared getting pigeonholed, especially playing one role for so long, uh, playing Glinda for so long. I was, um, I did struggle with, you know, fear of not being able to come out of sort of that. I, you know, people's idea that that is what I, what I do or all I do. And so, uh, yeah, I have had fears of that, of being pigeonholed at the same time. I think again, like I said before, the older I get, the more confident I feel, in, in who I am, and what I can bring to the table, and that my own life experiences inform so much of of how I interpret uh, what's on what's on the page, and how I can bring what's on the page to life. And so I've really learned how to trust that more. The older I get, and the more life I have under my belt, and this, and particularly becoming a mom, uh, it is such a a hugely life. Changing uh, and you know just changes everything about you. So I feel really blessed that I can have that and bring that into the room with me as as part of who I am.
2: It's amazing. Like your last go around in Wicked, you were pulling double duty, not only as Glinda and arguably New York's biggest Broadway show, but as a mom too. I mean, what job is more important than that? That's amazing how you did that. Do you ever like stop and like, you know, I feel like you got to give yourself some credit, you know, when, when you're accomplishing stuff like that, that's gotta be, I can't even imagine like the age show a week schedule and then being mom on top of it to a newborn. Nonetheless, it's amazing.
3: It was crazy. I'm so glad. I mean, again, you're going to hate bring that you brought this up because it was such a huge thing and, and, uh, mountain to over you know, to, to climb because I, I was, I was even still, I was still nursing. I was going backstage and pumping. I
2: don't know, like <laughs> This is good for the <laughs> baseball fans, right? everyone? Knows.
3: <laughs> uh, so yeah, going out and being, I know they all, they want to hear about how I was a princess on stage and then backstage pumping. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a pretty magical time. <laughs> And, and, you know, and then actually I was a part of the, the New York city lab for the Huey Lewis musical heart of rock and roll. So that was actually also part of that whole time frame So I was doing double, I was working at a hard rock and roll during the day wicked at night. And then I had a five month old at home. So it was pretty nuts.
2: That's amazing. No, wait, you mentioned that, uh, the heart of rock and roll, which, which Huey songs were you singing, uh, during that?
3: Um, I was part of a lot of the group numbers, um, the, uh, hit to be square. I had, a, I was in, um, do you believe in love? I was in, um, what my favorite song that was my, my main solo song was at the end, uh, is in Act Two called it's hit me like a hammer. It's one of, uh, Healy's maybe lesser known songs. Um, but it is one of the coolest uh yeah. moments that I've had and and the fact that I had the opportunity to develop it alongside um Brian Yusuf and really truly he is a magician with that with the with that material because he's totally transformed while still honoring Huey's brilliance and his and he's transformed the music to really um make it fit you know, a, a musical theater style. So, if you heard, if you are familiar with Huey's original "Hit Me Like a Hammer," um, Brian really made it something special to for this particular piece for the musical. And um, I know, you know, Huey and I have really um, had a, had bonding moments over it. And so, it's a really special uh, song for, to me, and one of my favorite songs I've ever sung.
2: That's amazing. You said you and Huey had bonding moments over like he actually got to see you perform these
3: yes so Huey is really very hands on uh with the musical he's always there and 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 gives his input and is uh you know hugely supportive and excited and I I don't know if anybody knows this but Huey has been on Broadway in uh Chicago the musical as Billy Flynn so he has Broadway experience so he loves theater and um So he's very, he is um, a huge supporter and he's very excited. And it's, you know, he's kind of the heart underneath all of it. When we all go into the rehearsal room and are working on this piece and he's hearing his music reimagined and um, coming to life in a whole new, fresh way, he just is like pure joy. He is so um, excited in the room and very present, pretty magical.
2: How are we going to get this thing to Broadway? This show, like this show needs to happen. Like, especially, you know, as we come back with some momentum opening back up, you know, hopefully in January, I feel like this is that, that music is legitimately uplifting. Like we need this to happen. And especially for, you know, you know, Katie Rose Clark coming back on, you know, I feel like there's nothing, there's no show that we need more. How's it going to happen?
3: Oh gosh, I agree. I I love this show so much. I've been a part of it since the very first table read, and they are um, just a, ma- a, a a really special group. This creative team is really special, and uh, I just uh, yeah, I I agree. How, how and when is is kind of how I feel about about it. I, I think everybody needs to see the show. It is uh, uplifting and um, more depthful than I think people would. Uh, um, imagine it being uh, you know and I think that the creative team would all back me up in saying this that it is you know it is a jukebox jukebox musical of Huey Lewis and the news music so I think people come in are surprised um, that there are some really deep themes and uh, uh, relationship themes that are really poignant and universal and so it is a special story I love it I love being part of it um, I I need it to come to Broadway just because I, I think everybody will really just get so much joy from it and not to just wax on but you know Huey, uh, if you're familiar with his story he has a degenerative his Meniere's disease which is affects his hearing so he he can't record music a, a anymore like he used to and I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent what the disease is because I don't really know but I know it is affected his hearing. And so, it's kind of a a great way to honor his legacy and his music and the work that he has created, um, and and in an exciting way and just breathe new life into it too. So it's it's just there's so many out levels of why I love the show and love this creative team. And so let's get it to Broadway. Let's bring I'm so Broadway down. back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done with that. And You're going to get the tickets, obviously, right, Katie?
3: Oh yeah, ow, Eddie, <laughs> you know it. Um, opening night, baby. Let's do
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there in a tux. It's just so, it's, I just want to touch on something really quick. I thought it was so cool because, you know, he, you know, he is going through that. I have heard that. Um, and you know, he's a musical genius. It's, it, that kind of reminds me a little bit of like with Brian Wilson. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Did you see Love and Mercy by any chance, <laughs> the movie with, uh, John Cusack and Elizabeth Banks? Oh no,
3: but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't see it.
2: So we had Al Jardine from the Beach Boys on our show, and they're trying to bring that to Broadway now because Brian's getting up there. You yeah. could bring shows like that that pay tribute with like the right involvement from the genius creatives that that made that music. That's what's going to get people back to Broadway. It's a show like that,
3: truly, and I agree. And and I think before before everything happened, this pandemic happened, and and Broadway shut down. It, I would have said, you know, the the jukebox musicals were really met with a lot of scrutiny, particularly the ones that were not like a biopic. I mean, this ours is just a brand new s- story set to Huey Lewis music. It's not his. It's not about him. And so, I think that would have been met with a lot of uh, scrutiny. And I think, I think now, and especially now that they just publicly announced that Broadway is is not coming back until January. I think the, uh, the thought of having just that, uh, that diversity of shows and the di- and, and, and I think Broadway is changing in so many ways, but I think that, um, there's just going to be room for different things and, and, and particularly too, not just that, you know, a show like that, that would be, have been met with scrutiny, but more importantly, way more importantly, um, other voices and other stories that can be told from different human perspectives. And I think, uh, in the, in the industry of storytelling, I think we are going to be stronger as we uh, open up, uh, those opportunities to voices that are underrepresented. So, um, I totally shifted there to something that is, you know, a, a different subject, but I do believe that, um, there's gonna be a lot of room on Broadway for for more stories to be told. And that is my my hope for Broadway to be stronger in that area and um just see a lot more representation and hear uh, hear different stories. So I think that's what's gonna happen. I hope that's what happens. And I I believe Broadway's gonna come back. I think that the news that it's delayed again is is um has hit me really. I I, I think we all kind of expected it and and had insight that that was going to be the case. And and it's just a, you know, for someone who's not just, you know, I I work in the field, but I am such a mega fan. And um, I, my hope for Broadway is that it just makes it uh, better and stronger on the, on the other side.
2: One question I have for you is you know we've actually seen some major league baseball players i'm not sure if you saw they're trying to get the season going mm-hmm. um they're going to sit out because they don't feel safe you know things with their family and you know many much of it is very understandable um is there something for you that needs to happen to make you feel comfortable to go back and perform on stage aside from a vaccine
3: oh <laughs> uh, um Gosh, I mean, i I think that's such a huge question, and there are so many differing opinions about it. Um, I think I, I think the only way is for uh, writing this out and seeing the numbers um, you know decline and um, which is an unfortunate thing for things like sports and Broadway that rely on crowds gathering. Um, so I don't know what the safest and wisest. Uh, way forward is, but I, I mean, I think so far that's what people's goal is, you know, is to is to do the the safest and wisest thing for the community and for the people coming to enjoy those events. So yeah,
2: um, it's like it's like how do you like pinpoint what's the right number of people to have in the theater because there's just so much uncertainty. It's like you set this this date of, you know, January 2nd, January 3rd, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot can happen between now and then. Well, eventually you're going to have to have ticket sales go on so you can pay your performers and pay your crew and everything like that. And you just wonder, you know, how everyone internally feels about, you know, what would make them feel comfortable and if it's worth it and whatnot. So that's why I'm really curious to see what the opening is like, you know?
3: Yeah, I I agree. I'm curious. I'm just as much as the next person. I I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be a yeah. really interesting thing. It'll be different. Again, I, I say that it'll be different in a lot of ways. And, and again, I think it'll be different in great ways that will make it stronger. So. Well,
2: as you've hinted, uh, you know, that there might be some really great shows coming about, you know, featuring the music of Huey Lewis and Katie Rose Clark, you know, starring in it. I, I mean, I think that that's all the motivation that, you know, all these producers need to, you know, take that leaf, you know, just to get back on stage. That's all we need this interview here tonight. And they're going to listen to that and full speed ahead. Oh yeah.
3: I'm <laughs> sure everybody's going to take my advice. I, 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 am just, I, I am so selfish. I went probably to, to come back because truly, like I said before, when I'm not working, I go and see all the shows, see all my parents. oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like that's the the beauty of not working. That's you know, of course, it's scary when you're not working, but one of the beautiful things when you're out of a show that you get to go and support your friends and see what's out there and watch the other shows. And there were so many shows I was excited to see this season. You know, I mean, I could just go on and on about each one, but I agree. I I I hope that it comes back and. Maybe, you know, maybe it will be different, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be stronger.
2: What a great message. And I think that actually is the perfect note to go into uh, our signature final segment, Katie. It's a little thing that we call fastball derby. All right. Okay. So Oh yeah, so I get your helmet. I see one back there. I see uh is that a Yankee jersey or is it an Astros jersey behind <laughs> you? I can't really <laughs> get into uh
3: <laughs> Okay, I am get ready. The,
2: get the eye black, you're gonna go into hit in the bottom of the ninth here. Uh <laughs> think of it like the final inning, and you know, a this chapman is on the mound throwing 105 miles an hour. Uh I'll ask you a question. Yeah, you're just shaking your head. You don't know her all the Chapman.
3: Oh, Chapman, come on. I Whatever you got, I can hit it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Johnny Damon would have had great success. I compared you to Johnny Damon earlier. That was the exact type of pitcher that he would actually be able to crush. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, A I'll spark plug. <laughs>
2: awesome. All right, so I'll ask you a question. Uh, you say the first thing that comes to your head. How does oh, that sound?
3: Okay, great. I got to turn my brain on. Okay. I don't know. I'm ready. Is it on? I think so.
2: (laughs) Okay. Here's open. (laughs) What is your favorite meal? Dinner. Well, how about this?
3: More specifically?
2: New York City pizza or Italian or Texas barbecue?
3: New York City pizza.
2: Damn. Wow. You are not, maybe you're not as much of a Texas girl as we thought. (laughs) Look at that answer. We're breaking, <laughs> breaking news and breaking bats tonight, folks.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know that was an easy one.
2: Okay. <laughs> All time favorite film? Oh, gosh.
3: When Harry Met Sally or My Cousin Vinny. There's a lot. I have a lot of favorite films.
2: Person in the audience you were most intimidated to perform in front of.
3: Well, it wasn't in the audience, but it was Leia Salonga when we had our first music rehearsal together for um allegiance. I was again so shy. I don't think I spoke two words. And then of course Leia, just being her effervescent self, was just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to sing with you. We're gonna blend so well. And I was just <laughs> like, I can't even believe this is real life right now. Um, so Leia singing in front of Leia Salonga in the rehearsal room, most intimidated by far.
2: Favorite holiday. Christmas. Big Christmas movie and Christmas.
3: Yeah, movie I do love Christmas. I also love Easter cause I love when spring is happening and I love the colors and you know, yeah. So I kind of do love Christmas and Easter for different reasons. Equally.
2: The one role you didn't get that you really wanted
3: there' so
2: <laughs> <laughs> this the so info many. here
3: oh gosh, I can how many can I give you
2: as much as you want There's no rules in fastball fastball derby that's the beauty of it
3: okay, well, I'm sorry, I'm not being fast enough too. I, I <laughs> no, I to i
2: no tell stories, because... go
3: go uh, i really i was i i was, this is gonna sound uh, like. Anyway, let me, I don't know how this is going to sound, so I'm just going to say it, but I was really close to being in Smash that TV show, and I I lost uh, out on it, and it would have been at the time, I remember thinking, God, that would have just been the career-changing crazy thing uh, to have happened, and I really, that was one that I was really disappointed, did not go my way. Um but now, and all of the, every role that I was close to that I didn't get, I can look back and see why I didn't and why my life happened the way it did. And there was a reason why that door was closed and, and, you know, life continued the way it did. And so, but that one was a tougher one to swallow for me. I I really did want that opportunity and, and to, which is, I don't know. So that, that That was probably a big a big one for me. It was just one of those higher profile ones that I was really excited about, potentially dipping my toe in the TV world, and and then there are so many other ones that I could list. But that was a that was a big one for me that I was disappointed about.
2: (laughs) How about this? Your greatest career high.
3: Um, And
2: you've had a lot, so choose carefully here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I really feel proud to have been part of uh, Allegiance and to have sung with Leia. I also feel, um, I mean, my first show to proud to replace someone who's as incredibly gifted and talented and who I admire as much as Kelly O'Hara. Um, so it would be those, you know, stepping into shoes and coming alongside actresses that I have so admired is a hugely Um, humbling and honoring thing to, to do. So those experiences, those two are pretty up there.
2: Your Desert Island songs.
3: Oh my gosh. I feel like this is where y'all are going to all make fun of me. Well, Chris, my husband made fun of me the other day because somebody asked me what my favorite boy band was and he said the Beach Boys for me.
2: Wow, appropriate as you we were talking about <laughs> Brian Wilson, right?
3: It's just fresh on my mind because we were just talking about it, but I do <laughs> the Beach Boys. Oh, my gosh. Um, one particular song. Well, I this is sort of one, but um, uh, Claire DeLune. At Debussy um, is one of my favorite songs. Um, I'm gonna go with that one because that feels that feels better than the Beach
2: Boys at this point. You can never go wrong with the Beach Boys, but that is a good choice.
3: Thank <laughs> you. I agree.
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna for the fans at home. You know we love the Beach Boys here on this show. I just had to pull this off the DVD. Remember DVDs, Katie? Yeah, oh, yeah. That not long ago. Yeah, this is a Beach Boys DVD here, so.
3: Oh yeah, Al, seriously, when I talk about listening to original Broadway cast recordings <laughs> and looking at like the C D insert and going yeah,
2: through the years, the CD inserts, yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean people just, you know, younger castmates will look at me just with like uh, <laughs> very confused. <laughs> and it's just uh, you know, it's just I totally I, I think it's the best. <laughs>
2: I love that. That is so good.
3: (laughs) I I feel bad for people that listen to Broadway cast recordings now without the insert to follow along with lyrics and really, I mean, that was like how I got into Broadway shows was like singing along and looking at the lyrics on the page.
2: I know, and being a passenger seat in the car, now they don't even have CD players in the car, so you wouldn't have any place to, to put that and to follow along while your mom was driving and you're exactly. singing along to, you know, those songs. I, I totally get that.
3: Oh, man, so true. I feel for this generation. They don't have the
2: <laughs> Yes.
3: <laughs> they really need it. A CD one shirt.
2: <laughs> You and I uh, grew up at the right time. I agree.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, how about this one? Favorite late night snack? Two show day. Katie gets home. It's after midnight. What do you grab before you hit the couch?
3: New York slice.
2: Had a girl Sicilian square or, or a grandma slice. What are we having?
3: Uh, I'm usually just kind of a regular slice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice and simple. Yeah, I don't get super fancy with it, but I do like a lot of crushed red pepper.
2: Oh, that's the that's the way to go. Oh, yeah. That is the absolute way to go.
3: Which I try and not you- to do when I'm in a show because you know, the, re- <laughs> the reflux and all the things that you can't do to your voice. So I like, try to limit the spicy food.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Glinda, with the amount of songs that you're in and the notes that you have to hit, that would be uh that would be tough.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta be a little more careful.
2: Okay. You've sung some great songs on Broadway, and you've been the lead in some epic shows. What's the best example of a Katie Rose Clark performance?
3: Oh my God. Oh God, I don't even know how to answer that. The best example of a Katie Rose Clark performance. I loved being the actress to perform the new song uh, that that, um, the team wrote for Ellen in Miss Saigon. That was a very exciting thing for me. Um, at least in the States, the, uh, they had performed it in other, in the, in the UK, but I had, I, I did it here in, on Broadway and that was a huge honor. And it, of course it replaced a song that was really beloved uh, in the show. Now that I've seen her, it was the song before they replaced it uh, with a new song called maybe. And I loved it. And I was really able to, you know, talk, with the writers about it and, and insert myself and my personality and my, my you know, my flavor into the, into the piece, which was a huge honor with that particular creative team. I mean, what a mind blowing thing to be a part of. So that, that one is pretty major to me, but also again, I mean, singing alongside Leia on a Broadway stage is, there was not one night that I did that, that I took it for granted every night I was looking into her, her eyes and just tearing up in disbelief that I was seeing a duet with, with, Le- with Leia. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, it's so funny. It you scene. talk about your own flavor and, you know, like I said, that's something I, sp- for good and and popular and all that great stuff that I've seen you do. I can only imagine with the song that Katie Rose Clark is originating. So that is uh, something I'm certainly looking forward to as far as uh, when Broadway comes back. And um a, all right. This is the last question. We ask everyone to end the show. We ask everyone this question to end the show. Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you, and what was it?
3: Uh, gosh, the one that always comes to mind is when uh, my my dad always <laughs> used to tell us if. Somebody asks you, you know, in a job setting, but in general, if they ask you, do you know how to do such and such? The right answer is always yes. And then you do your damnedest to figure out and learn how to do the thing you (laughs) just told them that you could do because you have just to, you know, just to keep working hard to be better, to do better, to be the best, um, and to keep learning. I think is kind of the point of that—to never stop learning and to always—and um, n- not sitting on your laurels, not resting on your laurels—is um, that kind of a work ethic. Even if it makes you uncomfortable to say, "Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know how to do that," and you have to go back and really um, and really figure things out and crank it out. I mean, um, I I think that underlying that is that um, is that is the work ethic and learning and not uh, not being afraid to, uh, to admit that you don't know how to do some to to yourself that you need to learn and and that you don't know how to do something to work your ass off, to learn it and to do it. And, um, yeah, I think that just goes back to work ethic. Like a lot. It's like a circuitous answer. Does that make sense?
2: I'll take it. It's perfect. (laughs) That's great. Katie
3: (laughs) Working hard.
2: I love it. And listen, it served you really well. And, uh, you, as much as anyone, I cannot wait to see, uh, come on back on Broadway when we're on the other end of this thing. And, you know, hopefully you'll visit us in the studio too. That would always be fun once <laughs> it's, uh, safe to do so.
3: I and, would love
2: uh, that. Yes. It was so kind of you to join us tonight. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much for having me. What a blast. This is, um, this has been just a really good time. So thank you.
2: Uh, You're always welcome. And I'll tell the bad heads right now, this, uh, if you couldn't tell, was one of my favorites that we've gotten to do. So, uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. So with that being said, that'll close out the ball game here on break a bat. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway podcast network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to break a bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway podcast network visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time.
1: 18 plus.